0: Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless.
1: We're going to be in Psalm 139, and this is not the end of the book of Psalms, but it's the end of the Summer in the Psalms series for us. We will be starting... uh, as we kind of get ready for Wednesday night, starting not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday. Uh, as we get started on that, we'll be going through starting uh, in Galatians. And so we'll be reading through that together. And uh, I, I feel like that's a great opportunity for us to just get back to uh, Paul and what he was writing to the churches and encouraging them, you know. And so this is the end of the summer in the Psalms. Uh, But man, it's been so good. And and as just been going through this and reading it, and I know like however many weeks we've been in it, like what is it, 12, even though summer in Texas is is like 92 weeks a year. uh, It's like I was doing more research, and there's several church fathers. There's one church father, uh, Augustine. He taught through the book of Psalms. It took him 26 years. (laughs) And I was like... Wow, that's intense, you know. And then even uh, one that we did, I think it it wasn't it wasn't even Psalm 119, which is the longest one there is. Psalm 118, he spent 26 weeks in Psalm 118, and that that can be uh, suffocating to me just thinking about like, man, that's a lot. But honestly, it I think it shows the richness that is in the Book of Psalms that sometimes we just. Passover, or we, we pull a verse out of here and a verse out of here, and then uh, th- those are comforting to us. But then when we actually read like the, an entire psalm, you're like, man, that's really good. And so you really get a, a better picture of it. So did I say Psalm 138? I meant 139. Hopefully I didn't say it wrong, but if I did... It's just a one-page over. Psalm 139. And today we're going to be looking at three types of things uh, to pull out of here. That one, that God has an intimate knowledge of us. That his presence is constant. And that we're going to be looking at ourselves as his purposeful creation. And as I said that, I remembered that Miss uh, Jody would like to share a testimony. So... Uh, I told you I get distracted enough on myself by, by myself. Kids can't do anything to me. So Ms. Jody, do you want to come up and share? Do you want to Let's do a mic just in case. I got a loud voice. I know, but then it gets recorded and that helps us.
0: Okay. 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 Hi. Um Dwayne and I have been through a season of very rough time. Very rough time since I lost my job in April. Um, anyway, we have a friend here in our body that gave Dwayne a word, um, a few months ago, and let me read that to you at the same time. Okay. Um, he said that I'm telling you all this, he said some other things, um, because I'm sure that God is going to take you through a season of revelation and growth Refining and testing very soon It's going to affect your health But more importantly your character I promise that if you're willing to let go And let God work in you Then you will come out a new man And on the other side This has affected Dwayne's health Last Sunday we took him to the emergency room Because he was stopped up from here to here And his stomach was bothering him real bad. And he was having AFib. And so he was in bad shape. I was very worried. But praise God, he got through that. And then Monday, I went to work at a permanent job. After being home for five months and suffering financially. And God is so good. And we know, we know that God has taken us through this time. And he is being so faithful. And Dwayne couldn't do this because he knew he'd cry all the way through it. Um, Dwayne is now doing just a great thing. He's eating well. he's, He's exercising. He's taking very good care of himself, and I'm so proud of him. So God is in control, and he's working everything together for our good.
1: prophetic words that tell you to eat right and exercise. The word says to test each word accordingly. So uh, (laughs) man, you know, but so good. You know, really when we talk about prophecy and I, I I know we're back in Psalm 139, but when we talk about prophecy, we we truly believe here at the church that the gifts are alive and active for the body, that that each person is gifted according to God. It's not our choice on what gift we get uh, or whatever, but the Lord's gifting and choosing of that. And so when we talk about, hey, this someone gave Dwayne a prophetic word, somebody gave this person a prophetic word, we just know that we are imperfect people trying to use the perfect gifts of God. And sometimes we miss it, sometimes we don't. And I love to hear it when people get it right, you know, and so great job. But on prophetic words too, when you look at that, I think so many times we look at, oh, it's a prophetic word. This is going to happen no matter what, because God said it. Really the way that we look at prophetic words are they are An opportunity for us to partner with God's perfect will for our life. Where it's like, hey, this is what the Lord's saying. It's just an opportunity that now that I have to partner with him for the perfect will that he has for me. Because there's so many words in here too. And you're like, hey, but it says it. Yeah, but I'm not seeing it. Well, it's an opportunity. As you read this word, as you hear the, the prophetic words, it's an opportunity for you to partner with him. So I'm really glad that you guys were able to steward that word because when you come into those seasons and you're like, Lord, why have you turned your back on me? You know. But then you go back and you go, oh, yeah, but you said that this, would, this could happen, and here we are. But we get to the other side, you know, and so uh, really proud of you guys for stewarding that word. So if someone gives you a word, steward it don't just sit back and go okay well the Lord says it's gonna happen I can just sit back and wait no there's on our part to steward that to pray into that to ask the Lord hey is there anything that I'm holding back or with you know with holding from you that would prevent this from coming to pass so uh, Psalm 139 God's intimate knowledge of us his constant presence and his purposeful creation we're going to start by reading uh, verses one through six It should be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. Psalm 139, verse 1. It says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty and I am unable to reach it. God has an intimate knowledge of us. I believe that our greatest need is to be seen, to be known, to be loved. Like, what, what all we do all day all week all month all year long is to satisfy that need to be seen to be known and to be loved and i'm not saying like we consciously go about and we set out oh hey we wake up today okay how can i be seen how can I be how can i be known how can i be loved but there's something that's deep down inside of us that goes man i need to be seen i need to be known and i need to be loved and The goal of learning about this is that the Lord knows us more intimately than anybody else. And yet he still chooses us. Where we spend so much of our time trying to be seen, known, and loved by others that it's tiring. Y'all ever do that? Spend so much time trying to fit in trying to be a certain way, try to talk a certain way, dress a certain way, act a certain way, wear certain shoes because your pastor's stepping up his game. You know, like you, you're trying to do something just to fit in. I mean, nothing is more evident than eighth grade. <laughs> Man, you know, eighth grade is that year where it's just like so hard because you see it. <laughs> As an eighth grader is not pleased with me calling them out, <laughs> but that eighth grade is that time where, where you're you feel too old to be with the younger to too young you, you you're really too young to be with the older, and so you're trying to fit in, you're trying to find your way. but honestly, those same feelings never escape us if you <laughs> If you ask somebody, "Hey, where do you want to eat?" most of the time they'll say, "Oh, it doesn't matter." Until you say something, and then it really matters. But they they don't want to say something that you're going to go, oh, really? You like that place? You know, like, Chipotle is, so I don't get paid anything for this, and they wouldn't pay me any. Chipotle is the worst restaurant ever out there. Sorry, I hate it. I said it. But So if you ask me, like, hey, Jeff, where do you want to eat? I'll say, anywhere but Chipotle. I just, I don't get it. I don't get the appeal, Whatever. Don't do it. It's, don't waste your time there. And so I'm not afraid of that. I don't need to be seen, loved, valued, all of those things because of my distaste for Chipotle. I'm willing to say I'll go anywhere, obviously anywhere other than Chipotle. You know, I'm not that picky. But we spend so much of our time. Hey, what kind of music do you like? Oh, I listen to whatever. No, you don't. When you're by yourself, you listen to something. You know, you don't just, uh, well, whatever, we'll just turn it on to this today. No, you have a station. You have six presets on your radio. You probably have 17 different ones that you can get to. But you have your presets. But, hey, what, what kind of music? Oh, I don't care. I, I don't care. We're just whatever. I, I'm, you know, and it's like you're listening to whatever. I'm not gonna, I've already offended some people with Chipotle. I'm not going to offend anyone with their taste in music. You know, I'm smarter than that. But, like, it's, we, we, everything we do, it's to be seen to be known, to be loved. And the beauty of these six verses right here, it says, you have searched me and known me. When I sit up and when I, st- when I sit down and when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from afar. We keep a close circle of people. We, there's very few people that really know the real Jeff Hopkins. There's very few people that know the real you. Because we're afraid if you see me for really who I am, you won't like me anymore. I can promise you that. If you know the thoughts and the words and my actions, then you'll go, man, that's that's you. It's, th- there's evidence of it. You, you ever vacation with another family? You're like, hey, we could go on a vacation with them. We like them. They're good people. They're like us. Get, don't do it don't do it you will not like them at the end of that vacation I can promise you I mean there's never a better opportunity to know if you're going to be in fellowship with somebody or not from that moment on because man we've been on vacation with families and sometimes it's our family and you go you know with uh in-laws and you're like they're gonna be our in-laws we can enjoy them they can like us and you're like hey Okay, I like you that much. You know, not, we're not vacationing friends. You find vacation friends, you stick with those guys because they've seen the worst of you. You know, but when, when, you, when you get closer to people, you, you see how they talk to their kids, how they talk to their spouses. Do they serve one another? Are they, are they polite? Are they, how do they act when they're stressed out, when they're tired? And, and what happens is we keep people at a distance Because we're afraid that if we let somebody in, then that need to be seen, to be known, and to be loved will not be met because they're going to see the real us. But my encouragement to you today is that, yeah, we might keep people at a distance, but can I tell you to draw close to him? He knows, I love this word I hear, before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it. Before we even say the word, he knows it. And yet, he still sent his son to die for everyone that's in this room today. That, yeah, we might keep people at a distance, but can I encourage you to dr- let him draw you close? Like, it can seem scary that he knows everything about us. Can I I promise you this? He knows you better than you know you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Don't make a joke about hair. Er, Oh, sorry, that was my note to not make a joke about Eric. It's easier. Sometimes I put notes so I don't say certain things, but I read that note. Sorry, Eric. Uh, But he knows the number of hairs on our head. Like he knows us intimately, every detail about our life. But yet he still loves us and he still enjoys us. He still desires us. He still pursues us. Where when people know more about us, they kind of put us off to the side, but Even though he knows everything about us, he still says, hey, I want you. It says that while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he didn't accept you at your best. When you you wore your Sunday best, you got it all fixed up and you looked good. He didn't choose you at that moment. He chose you at your worst moment. While we were still yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, he still chose us. He knows everything about you, and yet he still chose you. My encouragement is to draw near to him. You might not be able to tell everybody all the things, but you can tell him everything. God knows our every movement and action, our every thought and motive, our every activity, our every step, and our every path and our every word. And knowing all of those things, he still wants us. Where the enemy will teach us and train us that, oh, you, you can't tell him that. Yeah, God, God God that's, he, he, how many more times are you going to go to him with that? You can't keep going to him. The enemy will try to teach us that, that he, he doesn't want us anymore because he's a holy God and he can never be with people that are unholy. It's only by his blood that we're made the righteousness of God. So now we can draw near to him. It's because of our sin that the blood washes us clean and the blood allows us to draw near to him. We are loved, seen, and known by God. And there's nothing that you can do to earn it. Because if you could earn it, you could lose it. And you can't. You can't lose the love of the Father for you. You, you can't look the best. You can't, you can't drive a certain car. You can't give so much money to the church. You can't serve in every ministry to earn his love for you. It is unconditional. It is regardless of you. In spite of you, he loves you. And he chooses you every second of every day. And not only does he love you, but he loves you as, most as, he, as much as he can at every possible second. He doesn't love you less when you sin. There's not a, a degree of his love. He loves you unconditionally. It kind of like he knows all those things about us. But, and, and we get to the next part there, where, and it talks about in his constant presence, but yet he doesn't use those things as a way to control us. Has somebody ever known something about you and they've used it to control you? they are like, oh, hey, you can't do that because remember, I know that about you. God knows all of the things, but yet he doesn't use it to control us. Oh, hey, if you do that, then I'll just tell everybody what happened here and they'll know the truth about you. His knowledge for us is to draw us close to him. Because his knowledge for us shows that we can trust him. He doesn't tell anyone else about us. Our, our, our deep, dark secrets. It's his kindness that draws us to repentance. It's not shame, it's not the wrath of God. This comforts us because, one, it shows his love for us. To know that he knows all of these things, that's terrifying to know that he knows every word that I've spoken in every word that I haven't spoken, every thought that I've had, pure and impure, every action that I've done behind closed doors, that I've done to people behind their backs, he knows all of those things, but yet I'm comforted by those because that shows his love for us. The more that he knows about us does not repel him towards us. We are sons and daughters. It's about a personal relationship with him. He knows all of these things about us because he's a personable God. He's not some guy that's far off. It's it's not wood, gold, an image that's made an idol. He is a real living God. The only one. The rest of them are false. He is the one true God and I'm saying His love for you shows that He wants a personal relationship with you. Why is sometimes it, it can seem frightening that He knows all those things but it's comforting to me because it protects us. He's able to show us things that we don't even know about ourselves. We're like, oh, I... I I can do one more drink. I can handle myself. I'm not where I was last time. And the Lord can remind us and go, no, 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 you're not. That's not for you. He's able to show us things that we're not even aware of, traps to avoid our blind spots. He knows us so well And and why is that comforting? Because I know that in those moments where I'm blind to certain things, to my weaknesses, to my inabilities, because he knows me so well, his Holy Spirit can whisper to me and go, hey, don't go there. Hey, maybe tonight you should stay home. Maybe today you should speak a word to that person because, and he never reveals the whole truth to you, but so many times we've seen uh, testimonies of where it's like, Hey, just, I need to know that God is real because if he's not, I'm going to go kill myself tonight. And, and I don't know the whole picture, but there, there's times, moments where he said, Hey, I want you to speak a kind word to this person. Why is that comforting to know that he knows all things? Because, man, he knows exactly what I need when I need it. And it should stir in us humility and Righteousness. We don't knowing that He knows all things. It, it shouldn't be terrifying. It should be comforting because it should stir in us humility. Where we man, when we think we we've done it all, we got it all figured out. It's like, oh no, wait, He knows the words before we even say them. It should stir righteousness in us. Imagine if every word we ever said was displayed for everyone to see. It'd be like, man, that's not cool, but it is. He sees every word, spoken and unspoken, every thought, every action. It should stir in us, not out of a terrifying, like, religious obligation, but out of a love for him that goes, man, you're watching me, and I want to honor you, I want to respect you, I want to please you today. If everything was on full display for the world to see, it comforts me to know that He knows everything. You remember that story in uh, Joshua, Joshua chapter seven, I believe. Joshua chapter seven, you have uh, Achan, A C H A, A-, A- N, is that right? How you would pronounce it? Anybody? Achan. Uh, they they go and they they have it's the battle of Jericho, and the Lord says, "Hey, I want you to march around, and do all that, and then hey, when I, when when you go to plunder the city, just just." Take it all, and it's for the Lord. Nobody takes anything for themselves. And then there were a few people. One was Achan and his family. They took they took some things. They kept it to themselves. Nobody even knew about it. It was. I think it says that the silver was buried under their tent. The Lord sends Joshua and his men to go meet the guys at Ai, and I think there's a couple hundred, and they go and. The, the men of AI chase them out, kill 36 of them. And Josh like, Joshua's like, Lord, what have you done? Why have you turned your back on me? And he says, it's because your men have defiled the camp. They did not listen to my words. And Joshua's like, what are you talking about? And he goes, call them forth tribe by tribe, family by family. it gets to the point and, and he says, hey, when you find the person, I want you to burn all of it and their entire family. And that's what they do. They gather them up. Aiken admits to it. Shows it to them. They stone them. And they burn everything. It's comforting to know that he knows all things, because even when no one else knows it, the Lord knows it. Good and bad. Like it. It works both ways. When when you see somebody and you're like, man, the Lord's blessing them, and you're like, them. And I'm struggling, I'm working here, and, and he's blessing them. That's because he sees all things. He knows the motives, he knows the hearts, he knows the thoughts, he knows the words before they're even said. But isn't it comforting to me that goes, man? Lord, you are righteous and you are just, and I trust you. You don't have to try to be anything or anyone else before God. He sees you, he knows you. And he loves you. My encouragement is to be open, to be honest and vulnerable before him. That will produce long-lasting fruit. Next section here. Verses 7 through 12, it says, Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be my night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, the night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. We're looking at his constant presence, that wherever we are, he is there also. We cannot hide from him, and neither can anyone else. We are never alone. David isn't expressing frustration that God is everywhere and that there's no escape. He's not like, where can I go to escape your spirit? Like, you're everywhere. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, if, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I go down to Sheol, you're there, and you're everywhere in between. Like, how comforting is that to know that wherever we are, wherever we go, that we are never alone. He is always with us and i think when we begin to look at this like sometimes it's like we we talk about his his spirit his presence and it's like oh man I, i'm not feeling his spirit not feeling his presence or oh hey you need to go there his presence is there and it's like well but isn't it everywhere like doesn't it he said no matter where we are that it's he's there and and what it begins to, to come as we learn to just kind of flesh some of those things out, it just means that we're becoming more aware of it. There's not a place that his presence isn't. But there are moments in our lives where we're not aware of his presence and we think that he has gone somewhere else, where we have just tuned our focus to something else, to someone else. And so where, where we're saying here, how comforting is it to know that wherever we go, he is there and our job is to Learn to become aware of his presence. Because there's nowhere that he's not. I mean, you know, even the word, hey, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be with them. Well, well yeah, and, and our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, and that he, he's everywhere at, all at the same time. But what happens is that when we lose the awareness of his presence, then it feels as if it's gone. When really it hasn't gone anywhere, it's our focus and our awareness that needs to be refined. Why is it comforting to know that he's everywhere? Because one, it says that his presence that we do not have to fear, for I will strengthen you. This is Isaiah 41. I will help you and I will hold you. His presence is not something where it's like overwhelming like, you know, 1984, Big Brother, like, oh, everywhere, the government's always watching us. It's not that type of thing, but it's comforting to know because we don't have to fear in his presence. He will strengthen us, he will help us, and he will hold us up. We should rejoice that God is everywhere at all times. His presence is there to guide us and protect us. He is continually behind us, above us, around us, and before us. when we talk about raising our awareness of his presence, it's like y'all play, I'm the king of the yellow car game. I I still have never lost a game of playing yellow car when we're driving. Me and Jacob took a trip to North Carolina. I think we drove for like 40 hours straight and I ended up beating him. It was like 200 and something to three. It was bad. It was embarrassing. And I mean, over like 40 hours, he saw three yellow cars that he beat me to. And it's like you start playing the yellow car game and you're like, "Oh yellow, yellow, yellow. They've always been there. All you're doing is raising your awareness or some of us are raising our awareness to the fact that there's a lot of yellow cars out there. It's the same thing with his presence, where it's like have you noticed and there's there's not a magic formula where where you're praying more, you're reading your Bible more." All of it is just combined into when you begin to do those things, you begin to see Him more often. When you slow down from busyness and you sit, you begin to go, Oh man, look at the Lord in that. Oh, look at how the Lord's doing that. Man, I read this word, and man, the word, I needed that word because right there, here it came. There's no magic formula. What it is, it's raising our awareness that, to the fact that He is all. That he is everywhere at all times. That's all it does. And so for us, because what happens is when we get busy, our focus goes off of him and onto all the things that we have to do. When we sin, our focus and our mind becomes consumed with the things to satisfy the desires of our flesh that we are not aware of his presence. Because our mind is consumed on the thing that we want to partake of or after we partake of that thing that we should not partake of, then all we can hear is shame, guilt, and condemnation. And that's all that is happening in our mind. And so we're not aware of his presence. When we don't communicate with him, you want to know the simplest way to become aware of his presence? Begin to talk to him again. It's like you've been on the phone with somebody and and you're, you're talking and then they're there and you have to go, hey, are you still there? And you are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm here. And you're like, it's the same way the Lord never stops talking. It's are we on the other end of the line listening and are we talking to him also? We have to become aware of his presence. And the way that we do that, like I said, there's no magic formula, but, but I will say that there are things that you can do that will help, and that's one is to slow down. One, to to rid your life of sin. To begin to communicate to Him. And why should that be comforting to us? Because He guides us and He protects us by His Holy Spirit. His presence is crucial to our walk as Christ followers. You, you, You cannot do this walk. You cannot follow Jesus without the the leading and the guiding and the protecting of the Holy Spirit. You, you will never get to where, where the Lord has for you if you neglect his presence. You, you just won't. Jesus said, hey, Jesus is with his disciples. He says, hey, I'm going to go away for you from you, but don't worry, I'm going to go and prepare a house, a, a place for you in my father's house. And he says, but it's better that I go from you because I'm going to send you someone that's better for you. Jesus' own words, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Because he is better for you. Because we're going to need him every step of the way. We have to begin to become aware of his presence, aware of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. For me, I, I see where, when we walk with an awareness of his presence, then we get to walk in victory. From fear, discouragement, and worldliness. Like, like for me, those, those are like my personal... You, you could put whatever else you want. Like when, I, when we walk with an awareness of His presence, then I, Jeff Hopkins, get to walk free from fear, discouragement, and worldliness. You can put whatever else you want to put in there. But for me, those are the things where, where I see when I, when I become less aware of His presence when I begin to live for myself, then I struggle with those things. But yet when I turn back to him, when I tune back into him, when I focus on his presence, then I get to walk in victory over fear, discouragement, and worldliness. We're going to end with this last little section right here, 13 through 18. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. We are his purposeful creation. I know like in church it should always go without saying, but like you were planned from the beginning of time. How comforting is that to know one that thinks the Lord knew that I could not live without AC, you know, that he put me in such a time as this you know to (laughs) not really but like man it wasn't an accident that I was made right now 29 years ago you know it's not an accident that that I'm in this season they don't know babe they can't they can't tell (laughs) you you are not an accident you were planned from be- before the beginning of time. I, I love that it says right here, like he has a wonderful plan and a purpose for each one of us. We are the works of his hands. His masterpiece is what it says in Ephesians. Listen to the Hey, throw up the, the Psalm 139, 13, uh, King James Version. Listen to how it says it. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. It's the same one. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Back to King James. We're making them work back there today. For thou hast possessed. Most versions will say created. King James Version says, for thou hast possessed. It means that he purchased us. He bought us. He created us. It, it is the same word when, when it talks about creation. But when you go back to that root word and you find, for he has possessed my reins, where it says here, my inward parts. Reins is, is, means your inward parts, but not just your inward parts, like your internal organs. The root word there kind of actually just means kidney, which is interesting when you look up like that's the word that it means like you know, for thou hast possessed my kidney. Like, well, okay. That, but like you, my, my inward parts, my internal organs, but not just my internal organs. My thoughts, my emotions, my personality. Where you are who you are, not by accident. Your, your emotions, your personality, they were all a design. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. That covered, it does mean that where most versions will say you knit me together in my mother's womb. That, that we have been woven together. We have been knit together. That we have been covered. When you go to that word, it means that, that uh, like protected in your mother's womb. You, you've been covered there as he created you. And so when we look at that, there's encouragement from that because there's probably not a person in here that doesn't struggle with a physical characteristic of their body that they would like changed or or an attribute of their personality that they would not want changed whether whether it's the way you laugh or how tall you are your eye color your hair color how many freckles you have whatever it could be hypothetically like there's not one person in here that probably would not want something changed to to be more like somebody else. But when we read this, there's comfort in this because we are wondrously made. We are remarkably made where you are uniquely you for a reason. He, He could have made all of us the same, but he chose not to. There's a reason for that. Those things that you desire are not yours because they're not required for you to accomplish the purpose that he has for you. Where where other people can run extremely fast and you're like, man, I just want to be able to run really fast. I I don't, but maybe some of y'all, like, I just want to be fast. The ability for me to run fast is not necessary to fulfill the purpose that he has for me. So for me to desire that would actually be to reject the plan that he has for me. Oh, I want to be taller. Taller is that your height is is uniquely you because your height is necessary for you to accomplish the purpose that he has for you. You want to be taller, you want to be shorter, you want to be this or that. It's not necessary for you to accomplish the task that he has for you. Be satisfied with who you are. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He purchased you. He possessed you, the range, your inward parts, your kidney. He he did it all, and he didn't make a mistake with you. But God specifically crafted you to the purpose that he has for you. To reject yourself is to reject the plans that he has for you. You are unique and treasured by your Father and Creator. Not one time has he looked at anybody and gone, Ah, I wish their ears would have just been a little smaller. Not once has he done that. We live in a culture that puts so much (laughs) emphasis Sorry, I'm getting distracted by non-kids over there. We we put so much emphasis on our appearances. When your appearance is what you need to accomplish for the task that he has set before you. When we truly grasp how much God loves us, then we will be able to love ourselves more. When we are able to delight, and the things that we used to despise about ourselves. How great a day is that going to be when you reach that point, when I reach that point, when the things that I used to despise about me, I can now delight in. Because once we have the right knowing, when we know that we are seen, known, and loved by the father that we are uniquely his that he is everywhere with us that we're never alone that i am who i am because of who he created me to be and what he has for me to accomplish when we're able to do that then we are able to solely focus on the task that he has planned for us we we don't see all the things that the lord has for us because we spend so much time questioning ourselves Don't compare yourself to anyone else. You are yourself. You are you for a reason. You you can look at a lot of different people. A lot of different people are going to be able to do things way better than you. But you have a unique purpose. It doesn't matter how fast that person is, how tall they are, how good looking they are. It doesn't matter how big their ears are. Because your task does not depend on that. Your task is uniquely for you. Do not compare, do not waste time comparing yourself to others. Because when you compare yourself to others, then you have already given the enemy all the ammunition he needs. And you have now said, hey, Lord, I know what you have for me, but I can't because I want to be like this person over here. To reject yourself is to reject the plans and the purposes that God has for you. Comparison will be is is by far, by far the number one thing that keeps us from fulfilling our our purpose and destiny in God. Because we think, oh man, I'm just a little, just a pastor at a little bitty country church. Man, I I want to be at a bigger church, a bigger social media following. I wish I could say the way that he says it. I, I wish he I could have this and that. To do that would say, Lord, what you've given me here is not good enough. To say that would mean that who he has placed in our realm of influence is not enough. How crappy is that? When we look at ourselves and, uh, oh man, I wish my spouse would look like this person or that person, or I wish they would do this or do that. What you're saying is, Lord, that that, this isn't enough and I don't appreciate this and, and really why did you burden me with this person? You, you are uniquely you. Do not compare your life with anyone else's. When you do that, you the only thing that you are robbing is the kingdom of God from a son and daughter who knows who they are, seen, known, and loved. One person's getting it today. I love this, verse 16. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. I I know like you could take that and go, Oh, he knows all my days before a single one even began. So what purpose is there? I mean, no matter what happens, it's going to happen because it's pre-planned before... That's not what that verse is saying. That verse doesn't mean like, oh, no matter what happens, it, it's just going to happen. Why? Why eat healthy because I'm going to live the exact number of days that the Lord has for me, and there's nothing I can do to change that. Why do this? Why go share the gospel with somebody, right? Why? What that verse is saying, and and, and really, I would encourage you, like, that's the good part. As you study, don't don't build a doctrine off verse sixteen, Psalm one thirty nine. It says, oh, it's all pre planned, and bam, no, that what that verse is saying. It it's the picture of a A potter. That as he's forming it. And making it and creating. He has a vision of what it's going to look like. Before anyone else can see what it is. He sees the fullness. Of the creation. As it's just clay in his hands. And how comforting is that to know. That before you even reach your destiny. That he has for you. He saw it perfectly clear you you ever try to build something paint something do something and you know people walk by and like what are you doing there and sometimes it's a a good question to ask because it's like oh yeah no you're right that's not right but sometimes the only person that can see the finished product before it even starts is the person that's creating it and you get that and you're like whoa I I, I love the, the the paintings where they'll you know, it's like a bunch of lines and it doesn't look like anything. And then they'll like turn it upside down and it's like, what? How did, how did you do that? You know, because only they saw the beauty of it. And it's comforting to know that he knows everything about us. Because he sees the beauty when no one else does. He sees the finished product as you were still just clay in his hands. Just I want to encourage you with this today. You are seen, you are known, and you are loved. Because of of this. That he knows us. That he has searched us. When I sit down. When I stand up. You observe my thoughts from far away. can, Can I encourage you to walk in humility and righteousness. Because it says that one day all things will be laid bare. Everything done in darkness will be brought to light. And I don't say that to be like fearful of like. Oh man. I better do this right. So that when it's all laid bare. Everyone can see it. No. But it's so that. He can say it about you. When he says, hey, have you considered my servant, Job? Hey, hey have you considered my servant, Tony? When the enemy comes, he's like, oh, man. And He's like, no, 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 have you considered my servant, Tony? Because I know all things, I see all things. And man, don't you want that to be said about you from God? Have you considered my servant? Walk with an awareness of his presence as you go about your day, your week. Spend time with him. Become more aware. Slow down. Get up before everyone gets up. Go to bed after everyone goes to bed. Be in his word. Take a walk this week. Just look at nature. You'll see him in it. You'll hear him in it. But it won't happen if you're just so consumed with all the things of the world. You are unique. Do not compare yourself to anyone else. No one else has the task that you have set before you. There's a reason you are the way that you are. And sometimes you don't know it until you see it fulfilled. And you go, oh man, that, that's why you needed me to be this way. That's why you needed me to look this way. That's why you needed me to act this way because that person right there would not have listened to anyone else. Don't compare yourself to you. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. I'm gonna pray, dismiss you guys. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for for Psalm 139. Thank you for the beauty that is in there, the depth. Father, now I pray that you would just take it from our ears. And that you would that your Holy Spirit would begin to just speak to our hearts, to our minds. That these words would take root and that they would bear fruit. Father, we love you. Love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I need to end with two announcements, and then you guys can go get your kiddos if you have kiddos. First announcement is family night, beginning September the 6th. So there's always a confusion over this Wednesday or next Wednesday. It's not the next Wednesday on the calendar, but it's next Wednesday, okay? It's not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. September the 6th. Come up here. Six o'clock, we will have youth, kids, kids, class for adults and uh really for most of the adults there'll be a parenting class that eric and kelly are leading and then the rest of us are going to just like old school bible study it's going to be very it's not going to be a sermon okay you're not going to have to listen to me talk i don't have that much to say twice a week but what we're going to do is we're just going to open up the word we're going to start in galatians chapter one and we're just going to read through the word and we're going to say hey father what do you want to teach us today and then we're going to share. We're going to encourage one another. Because I really, I, I really believe like Acts 2.42, the early church, the picture of the early church, says that they were devoted to, to fellowship. They were devoted to the word, to the breaking of the bread, to expectation of miracles. Like, so what we want to do is we want to just be able to slow down, open up the word together. And, and you remember Paul was writing and he said, hey, I, I can't wait to see you so that we can be mutually encouraged by one another. And so this is going to be an opportunity where we all get to just gather together with the word. And there's going to be something that someone is going to say and it's going to be like, wow, I just needed to hear that today. I need to be encouraged by you because it's an opportunity for us to all be using our gifts. And the Lord speaks to each and every one of us. So Wednesday nights, it starts at 6. There will be dinner for the littles down there, for the youth and the kids. And then we'll have some snacks up here for the adults. Second one, final one. So we do our uh, annual camp out. We partner with uh, the Brock Campus. That writing is a little small. Apologize for that. Uh, Take a picture, zoom in if you need to. But what you can do is you can text the word camp out to that phone number to RSVP. And you'll get like on a texting what you're making a face. Well, I can read it from right here. I'm just being conscious of other people in the back. I'm only 29. I can see. You text camp out to that phone number, and then you get like on a uh, texting list. Don't worry, they're not going to bombard you, but it has like directions, what to bring, stuff like that. And uh, that way you can RSVP October 6th, 7th, and 8th. This is for both campuses, but October the 8th, we will have service here at Adele. So that is it. If you have any questions, talk to one of the staff members or my wife because she has some answers. Okay. Or shoot at. Not everyone's going to be shooting them, but everyone can shoot at them, right? Okay, good. Thank you, Cliff. All right, that is it. Go get your kiddos.
0: Jesus